Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm going back to what I used to do as a kid of making little adventures and making mini movies in my head. But now because we have we have phones uh, and essentially a movie studio in our pocket, uh, I can film them now. Everyone's got to Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Fanatics, the podcast where we talk about things you love and that people love and that we all love all across the world. I'm Claire Kramer, of course, and today I'm here with my lovely co-host, David Magadoff. That's me. I'm David Magadoff. Who are you with on other days? I'm still with you and maybe okay. another one of my personalities. <laughs> <laughs> and perhaps another one of yours. I'm not sure. We haven't had that, you know, <laughs> Freudian conversation yet. I do but... wear wigs and tr- pretend to be other people just to fool you, though, Claire. So you are with, yes. with other parts of me. Okay. I like it. Our guest today, Mike Mendez. Our very first director on the on Fanatics. Very exciting. Very... Uh, someone from behind the cameras. Yes. You know him from Grave Dancers, Big Ass Spider, Tales of Halloween, and of course, Claire, you were in Big Ass Spider. I was Spider. in all three of those movies. You were in all three. Funny side story. I once said to Mike, I've been in three of your movies. I think I'm your muse. Hmm? And he's like, <laughs> no, I don't think so. Well, thanks for at least giving me a paycheck. Then. You know, I got to appreciate the honesty. <laughs> Um, yeah, he's a great guy. He's a great director. He's extremely creative, which you will find out more about in this episode of Fanatics. And I I guess we should mention quickly that aside from those main credits, over the last year, he's released a lot of short videos that have gone viral, particularly um, one of that he made with himself and Guillermo del Toro as mini action figures fighting each other. So if you haven't seen that, look it up. It's amazing. And if you've loved all of his viral videos that he's done over the last year, then you're going to love what we're going to talk about today because you have seen in those videos the thing that we're going to talk about, action figures from movies. What a fun thing. And yeah, little action figures of his own. (laughs) So it's a very niche, cool little thing. And he's got just a few of them. When I think of the word fanatics, which obviously this podcast is about, you know, people who love things, whatever those things are, I think of Mike Mendez because you 
you love, love, love action figures and toys, right? I do put the fan in Fanatic. It's true. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I know so much about your collection, but David does not. And our audience does not. So please, could you start by just telling us a little bit about what you are fanatical about? Sure. Uh, I am a toy geek. I uh, have been a collector of toys and action figures since I was, you know, as literally as long as I can remember. It's always been appealing to me. And mainly I collect uh, toys from movies because it's kind of my two passions, monsters and creatures and cool sculptures and and movies. So ever since I was, you know, like literally three or four started with Star Wars figures, but any movie that would come out, uh, Alien, or I'm just looking around the room, Terminator or Robocop or whatever, anything that they made of, of that, I, I would I would do that. And I always thought, you know, I'd grow out of it at like, you know, 13 or something, but I didn't. And certainly in my early 20s, any money that I that I could make was going into that. And now I'm in my 40s and nothing has changed. And at this point, I kind of like, yeah, it's not changing because I'm going to I'm going to die this way. I'm going to die with a, a Han Solo action figure in my pocket. <laughs> Well, I mean, you mentioned movies. Obviously, you're a very successful director, especially in the horror genre. You know, Grave Dancers, Big Ass Spider, so many movies. We're not going to talk about that today, but I am curious. When did you realize that action figures, what age, I guess, were correlated with the film? And how did you identify that as something that you wanted to sort of do to remember what films you were passionate about collecting the action figures? That's a good question. I, I don't even know if I've analyzed that myself, but I, I got to think that that Star Wars, uh, for I think a lot of collectors, you know, that that changed a lot of things because you could go see the adventure on the screen and then go home and have the vehicles and have the little figures that went in the vehicles and kind of create your own adventures. And so that was always appealing the idea that you could kind of bring the movie home and that this thing that you thought was awesome in a movie you can have in a shelf or whatever and I also uh, wanted to be a makeup artist when I was a kid or a creature creator so I always had a fascination with monsters and any type of cool creature or whatever so there were a lot of movies and it and my parents took me to very inappropriate films when I was young so it was things like the the thing and the fly and American werewolf in London uh, just had these amazing special effects and I just wanted that it's like I wanted that werewolf I wanted that creature more than anything and still like I'm still kind of after you know, those things that that kind of made me so excited when I was young. And and again, it's still exciting if I see something cool in an Avengers movie. That's how I know if I liked a movie. If I walk out and I'm like, man, I need to get that. I need to get that that figure from that scene or whatever. So when you were three or four is what you said, the age that you first started collecting action figures. But do you remember like the first action figures? Because I mean, I had Ninja Turtles. I had Ghostbusters. I had McDonald's toys like was it always through a movie from the very, very beginning? Or do you remember having a G.I. Joe or just something else that you played around? G.I. Joe was huge for sure. And and He-Man and uh, a lot of the classic toy waves of the 80s. You know, I, w- I was very big into all that. But I'm pretty sure it started with Star Wars because I was about four when it came out and there was a thing and thankfully I had uh, an older brother who you know could go out and 
you know, go to stores and get stuff. But there was a mail away, a very famous mail away thing called the, the early bird special. And the deal was that Star Wars was such a huge hit and all the kids wanted to play with the stuff, but it didn't exist. And so they had to like rush to get stuff for Christmas. And they gave you a little cardboard, a piece of cardboard that you'd pay $20 for or something like that, or $12 back then. Uh, and then that was a guarantee that they would mail you these figures. And it was a Chewbacca and R2-D2 a uh, uh, Luke Skywalker and a Princess Leia. And uh, those were the first four Star Wars figures, and we got those. And they come with a backing uh, where the other figures that hadn't come out yet, you were supposed to get, and you'd put them in front of their picture so you'd have the whole collection. And that sort of set the seed, I think, for a lot of people. That set the seed on, like, oh, I, I need to get these. This The whole idea of collect them all. You know, that that's where it was really kind of cemented because you had the beginning. And, and I, my favorite character was Han Solo. And I didn't have Han Solo. I didn't have Darth Vader. I didn't have a Stormtrooper. And so pretty soon now you had like nine of them. And it's like, well, to complete the collection, all I need is the Jawa and the Sand Trooper and the Death Star Commander. Uh, and then pretty soon you'd have the whole set. And it was just, you know, it's just the beginning of an addiction, you know, truly and, gen- and genuinely an addiction. So with the figures, I think different collectors do it different ways. Like some people keep them boxed and some people uh, have them loose. And it sounds like you don't mind if they're out of the box or in the box. Or is it different for each like sub collection that you have? Or what's the process for you? And how do you determine it all depends, but I believe toys are, are uh, to be played with. It, it all it all goes about display, you know, because all I'm looking for is the, is the wow factor. I want people to walk in and go, oh, my God, you know, sometimes it's in a bad way of like, what is wrong with you? And sometimes it's in a like, this is amazing. Obviously, I prefer the, you know, the latter. The important thing for me is that I, 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 I they've got to look great on a shelf and they've got to look amazing. And sometimes toys just look better in its packaging. Sometimes it looks cool, you know, if you have something that's kind of rare and like, oh, you have an exorcist doll. By itself, it might not look that cool, but with with the packaging and everything, it's like, that looks awesome. So it kind of ranges, but I'm definitely more an open an open type person. Has Star Wars been the the through line for you? Like, and do you remember of those original dudes that you collected, which of them you played with the most, like versus Leia just always kind of sat around or was Leia no, like, no, no. played I was... with and Chewbacca just sat around? Like, what do you, what memories? Because I, I specifically will remember my G.I. Joes and like which ones I played with, which I love the villains. I, you know, which, which are the ones that got you excited to like actually touch? I think if I had them, I probably played with them. Uh, And everything I'm talking about, like my love for toys as a youth and as a child is really has come into play into my life in the last two, three weeks. I am really going back to being a kid, especially since I have all the toys around me and I've been making movies with my toys. Uh, and that's been my, my social media presence. And I've had a few of them go viral. I'm going back to what I used to do as a kid of making little adventures and making mini movies in my head. But now because we have, we have phones, uh, and essentially a movie studio in our pocket, uh, I can film them now. So now all the adventures and, and things that I used to play with, as a kid, now I can make movies out of them because I have special effects and sound effects and editing tools and cameras, and uh, and I'm really kind of creating the type of adventures that I had when I was a kid. I just did it to amuse myself. Uh, to my surprise, it's amusing a lot of other people too, and I've been very encouraged to keep going uh, on it. So I have been. Oh, it's been amazing. I've been following everything. Like the, of course, it first came to my attention. I follow you on Instagram, and I was seeing the stories. But when the Guillermo one went viral that was like unbelievable i shared that with david you know we both absolutely loved it 
Yeah, that took it to to a whole other level. And I honestly was not expecting it. I have always liked the Instagram movie because as a filmmaker, it's kind of like, I love that I can make little movies and put music on it and little special effects and they're nothing special, but it's fun for me. It's a good creative outlet that I really enjoy. And I always, in the back of my head, thought it would be kind of funny to start an Instagram movie you know, like, hey, I'm making, you know, avocado toast and, you know, whatever. Uh, And then it just becomes more and more elaborate and then really elaborate and then ridiculously elaborate. And then, but you're you're watching the whole thing and this thing that should only hold your attention for 30 seconds has now held your attention for about seven minutes or something like that. And yeah, of course I wanted my friends to react and I wanted, you know, uh, my family or whoever to, to, to see it and think it's cute. But then the next thing I know, Entertainment Weekly picked it up, Guillermo del Toro retweeted it, you know, Gizmodo picked it up and the next thing I know now thousands of people have seen it and and like it and we're in a really weird time there everyone's depressed if I could make a thousand people smile and laugh yeah I feel that's a good a good way to spend my day absolutely yeah so I just like you know so I've just sort of taken that I'm like you know that's my job now that's that's my job is I make Instagram movies uh (laughs) until further notice until something actually pays me um you know it's like no I'm just gonna make Instagram movies for the next uh until further notice I love that okay so how did you play favorites with all your figures how did you decide who was going to be featured in one or another piece and do you have favorites I mean, I'm going through it right now as I kind of create new new shorts. And, and really, it is, again, this going back to being a kid. I just sort of like, like, well, what would be a cool vehicle for like the bad guy to, to get in? And what would make like a good chase? And what would make a, a good thing? And, and I, I weigh into a lot of it, like what makes sense for the storyline? So right now... I'm working on the next one, but, but, uh, you know, I have this kind of like little series idea that it's different filmmakers are trying to kill me. So it's like, okay, well, what toys do I have? Uh, and what would be the next director? I have one in mind. I'm not going to say what it is. No spoilers yet. So from that director, what what would be his gang? Who who would make sense to back up that director? Uh, usually probably from his own films. So you do that and like, okay, and then what would their plot be? What would they want? And what vehicles would they use? And, and from there, it just kind of becomes a game to me of like, okay, so we go over here to this part of my apartment and then how would I get out of this jam? Well, okay, I would use the power loader from Aliens or I would use uh, the sword from Castle Grayskull. You know, in my game, in my mind here, every, every character retains the character that you know them from you know Muppets are Muppets and and every weapon does what you know them to do I enjoy being in my own weird world I really do and uh, I've been having a great time with it VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients as you practice each skill the muscle memory starts to develop learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact it's all a lighthearted nightmare on our podcast, Morbid. We're your hosts. I'm Alina Urquhart. And I'm Ash Kelly. And our show is part true crime, part spooky, and part comedy. The stories we cover are well-researched. He claimed and confessed to officially killing up to 28 people. With a touch of humor. I'd just like sure. to go ahead and say that if there's no band called Malevolent Deity, that is pretty great. A dash of sarcasm and just garnished a bit with a little bit of cursing. This motherfucker 
lied. Like a liar. Like a liar. And if you're a weirdo like us and love to cozy up to a creepy tale of the paranormal, or you love to hop in the Wayback Machine and dissect the details of some of history's most notorious crimes, you should tune in to our podcast, Morbid. Follow Morbid on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to episodes early and ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Mike, when you were a kid, which I don't know if that's it still stays true for you today, because uh, I don't know if you or I or any of us have ever really grown up, especially seeing the fly shirt you're wearing and everything right. behind you in our call. Sure, sure, <laughs> right, right. But when you would like go through the store and see all the different action figures, was it literally just what movie were they in, or would you ever look at at one and go, "Oh, he's got the thing that if I push down on it, there will be a little." you know, propelling thing or like, Oh, they've got a, a web mask or, Oh, oh I, I love toys. I love toys in general. And it, and it, it doesn't matter so much, you know, like, I mean, I'll just grab some things around me here. So obviously if, if, if it has a sentimental value, like a movie that I love, I'd love to say anything, you know, that, that matters. But if I hold, hold on, bear with me one second. FYI, he was holding up a John Cusack, holding up a boom box from the movie. Say anything. This isn't from anything per se. Uh, it's a, a, a line of toys from the 80s called Inseminoids, but it's awesome. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and so I'll, I'll certainly collect it. it awesome. Yeah, I'll certainly collect an inseminoid because it kind of looks like the fly first off. But uh, but, you know, I will totally get that. Inseminoids are out there. Uh, I think out of like the large inseminoids as they were bigger monsters. I think there's four of them, but that's the only one that I have. Sometimes there is the logic of I just like it, but it's cool. But the thing is, when you've collected for over 40 years like I have, uh, you run out of space. And so the bigger thing is more not so much what I like to buy, because I will buy whatever is cool and catches my eye and I think it's neat. It's just, but, but what can I put in my room that it's so weird. I, I have a certain OCD for certain type of things and I really get into the minutia of the logic of what's on display and why is that next to that? And what, what, what does this wall mean? What does this room mean? You know? So I, I really try to theme it out by kind of genre and by type of movie. So right now, I mean, we can't really see in here, but I'm in my eighties action movie uh, or movies of the eighties is, is the room I'm, I'm in right now. And so the inseminoid is really does not belong here, to be honest. It's just, it's just cool enough that I let it slide, but, but I, I really kind of, you know, it's more important to me of like this room is aliens, ghostbusters, Terminator, planet of the apes uh, and star Wars and Indiana Jones, uh, any kind of uh, iconic, um, sci-fi action movies of the eighties. But then outside is all horror. So that that will be all your classic monsters, all your Freddies, all your Jasons, all your that kind of thing. And then, you know, so I kind of break it up that way. But but again, my love for toys is deep, but it's more about what I can display to keep it thematically logical. So cool for you is theme. Cool isn't it's not so much it was like, what did that toy do or how did that toy look? But like, how does it fit into the great themes and collectability, even from an early age? The action that it does that didn't really appeal to me as much because you know what i always wanted was just as as close to whatever is in the movie so it's really big on like one-to-one props so like i have like a life-size chucky doll like that's a perfect prop for me because it's already a toy but it's exactly as it appeared in the movie you know the idol from raiders of the lost ark things like that always really really excited me as close to, to that so special functions and and secret actions and things like that were less appealing to me as just a cool looking toy you wanted it to be true 
I wanted it to be true, as, as close to the actual thing as possible. So let me ask you this. The toy and the action figure, the art and the act of actually collecting has changed over the last 40 years. I mean, you mentioned, yeah. you know, with Star Wars, you had to, you know, get this piece of cardboard and prepay and then they mailed stuff. And then obviously, oh, it's evolved through, you know, um, I would imagine, you know, clipping the cereal box things to then now yeah. we have eBay where things are much more accessible um, totally. and you can almost trade worldwide. How has that affected your collection and your collecting abilities and what you want to collect? Well, it probably makes me broker. That would that would probably that would be my that would be my main main difference. I would think I'm at a happy place with my collection to a certain degree because I literally have everything I want. I swear to God, that's true. When I go to toy stores or conventions and stuff, it's like you better dazzle me. You better make me go like, wow, I need that. You know. Uh, and, and wait, you know what, Mike. I don't believe you. I don't believe there's not one thing out there that you're hunting for. What is the one thing that has eluded you? Maybe it's too expensive. Maybe you just haven't gotten your hands on it. There's only five in the world. There has to be something. I mean, I'm sure there is something, but but if I don't have it, I have a, a substitute. Like there there may be like, oh my God, there was this great Indiana Jones figures from, from Hong Kong in like 1996 that I maybe didn't get my hands on, but then I got one in like 2008 from Japan. There, there's figures that have never been made that I, I would like to get my hands on, but no, it looked, there's little things. There was a, a Godzilla from 1978 uh, from a series called Shogun Warriors. It was just a giant Godzilla that had like a, you know, a, cardboard fire that came out and a hand that that shot out and i know I, I never got that uh and i've always wanted it and now it's like three or four hundred dollars you're right there's always things they're super specific and geeky like there's a, a hong kong company that made a battle damage terminator from the first movie and like i don't have it and it, you know the, the, they, they do kind of pain me and that's the thing is that they're ridiculously expensive now that's been the big difference that's actually to answer your question about what's different between now and then is like yeah they're way more expensive uh so the, the good stuff uh you know now costs like 300 dollars. like when i was a kid a 12 inch doll was like 20 bucks you know if that uh now they're about 300 dollars. and if you don't get them immediately they go up because they're valuable and they only make a certain amount so like this terminator that i'm talking about is like about five or six hundred dollars and i can't you know i can't justify that i can't go like oh yeah sure let's get let's get it. What's the most you ever paid for a figure? Uh, not so much a figure, but hold on. Uh, this guy here. This was not. Uh, this was not <laughs> cheap. Uh, you know, I love it. I can't tell you how much I love it, but you know, that is the DeLorean from Back to the Future. It is. That is it awesome. Is, how many uh, of those in the world are there? It's probably about two feet long, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it's probably, I don't know, probably like a thousand of them, I think. Uh, and, and that's the thing is that, I mean, I'm exaggerating slightly, but the, the, the price of it, I could have probably put a down payment on a real car. So that, that's when you kind of right, go right. like, wow, this is crazy. Like, you know. Okay, so you mentioned the DeLorean. You showed the DeLorean, obviously a prized piece in your collection and in the appropriate room. So good job with that. <laughs> but, thank you, um, thank you. Would you want like Christopher Lloyd to sign it? Would you want Michael J. Fox to sign it? Does that add value in your opinion? No, 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 absolutely not. I mean, I, if I would ha happily have them sign a picture or a poster or something, but the actual toy, like, no, no way. Get your grubby ink off my, my prize right. DeLorean. <laughs> so, <laughs> so no thanks. A fire happens. 
horrific, awful, terrible, a fire like you'd see in one of your wonderful movies, and you can only take one of your toys with you, one of your figures, out of the room, outside, which is the one? It would be the worst day of my David. life, of course. It's no, so I know. That's where his brain goes but, anyway. He's a horror and, filmmaker. And, 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 this is, this and, is light. And I get asked this all the time. Uh, that DeLorean would certainly be one of them, but I could hold that with this hand. It would free up this this arm, too. So I don't know. I mean, I, re- I really don't know. It would literally be... I'd probably get a big box, the biggest I could get, and put as much of the, the really expensive stuff uh, in it and fill it as much as I can. But that's about all I could do. And that would pain me. That's a wish to get more wishes, Mike. I'm asking you to pick one toy. <laughs> uh, all right. All right. Fine. I'll go with the DeLorean I just showed. I, I love that thing. And I can put two figures inside. So I can, you know. <laughs> Again, the workaround. I love it. This kind of goes along with that line of questioning a little bit. But, you know, you you featured Guillermo. He's known for collecting more props, I think, than toys necessarily. But there's a whole subculture of trading in the prop toy figure collecting world. Do you partake in that or are you just like, it's mine once I got it? I don't sell it. It lives in my house. Yeah, I don't. It lives in my house. I mean, you know, as time goes on, I get more stuff. When I look at old stuff, I'm like, yeah, why did I buy that? Or I didn't need that. And, you know, maybe there's some older things that I don't care about that I maybe would trade. But no, I mean, you know, it's like I will trade you my money for that awesome new object. Uh, <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, <laughs> that's a, but that's about it. You're not getting any of my my old stuff, you know. And sometimes I get like it's either kids or, or you know people that like come in and go like, can I just have one? And I'm like, no, <laughs> absolutely not. No, no. I, I, it. <laughs> I have a box for for children of stuff that I don't want. So if, if like parents bring their kids over and they're in that want to grab thing, I'm like here's the takeaway box that you could take whatever you want. Right, I don't right, care. Right, you, you know, right. so, so I, hopefully that kind of balances, uh, you know, cause I don't want people taking my stuff, you know, ideally. So it's a chicken or the egg kind of thing. So what I'm hearing from you, and it's kind of beautiful that you really love the authenticity of the collectible, the action figure to be very authentic, to be authentic to the film or the piece that you're, that's connected to. So my question is, do you think, this might be more than you've ever thought about with the with action figures before. Do you think it's more important that you're bringing the figure into your reality or the ability to get all these action figures and collectibles is putting you in the re- in their reality, which I know is sort of what these cool short films you're doing. Do you, you're literally melding them together. Do you feel like it's you will stepping into their world or them stepping into your world? You know, and honestly, I mean, the only way I think I can answer that is because of the short films. And I don't think I would have had an answer if I hadn't made the short films. I guess it's no, I'm, I'm, I'm bringing them into my world, you know, because that's, that's sort of the, the gimmick of this little series that exists only in my head. It's me and the action figures either trying to hurt me or help me, you know, live my life. And that's sort of like kind of the, the greater idea behind it is that uh you know these things whether they can turn invisible or fly or travel through time is that they help me accomplish whatever i'm trying to accomplish it's bringing their magic into my mundane world welding instructor alex declare knows firsthand how vr training platforms like forge fx can help meet the demand for skilled workers anywhere you go look there's going to be a shortage of welders VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. 
Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome to Pura, the most pristine, safe, climate-stable city on Earth. A haven amidst the wreckage. Here, you're safe from heat domes, superstorms, water bandits in the outer lands. There's no crime in Pura. No murder, no suicide. And best of all, there's no cost to join us. In Pura, we promise to keep you safe. They killed her! You took everything! In a world that doesn't feel so safe anymore, we're waiting for you. Here, in Pura. The Last City is a new scripted audio drama from Wondery. Enjoy The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City right now, ad-free, on Wondery Plus. Get started with your free trial at wondery.com slash plus. So if someone were to start, were to say, Mike, I really love what you have going on. I want to get into it. I want to get into it with my, you know, my kid or my wife or whatever. What would you say? Would it be the Pop Funkos as a good gateway collecting item the Funko Pops are a great gateway because again they're they're ten dollars you know and and it's mm-hmm. like what do you get I mean that's almost you know like a little more than a coffee at this point in life so yeah I, th- I think Funko <laughs> Pops I mean they're doing a service the other thing that Funko Pops are, are, are great for and this is actually a bit of a is literally a gateway is that um their legal department is fantastic because there are a lot of things like the shining that there was not a lot of shining merchandise for a long time, but somehow they break through. Like they'll find whoever they need to find and they'll make that deal and it opens it so that all of a sudden other toy companies can now make that deal. They really are a bit of, uh, you know, on the on the edge and leading the leading the charge uh, in that kind of thing. And it's so many, so many things, particularly of the 70s or toys that people don't make like Clockwork Orange. There was no Clockwork Orange stuff. But Funko Pop said, no, I bet people would want that. And then sure enough, a flood of Clockwork Orange stuff comes up. I think what's really great about them is is cult movies, you know, like I love Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Everybody should have a Gene Wilder figure, I feel. But uh, nobody makes it. Uh, uh, but but uh, but Funko Pop, they, they're like, you know, no, we're going to like a big thing getting too much into the action figure world here. Hold on. A big thing is, is likeness, right? So the reason you can get away with this, okay, this is, is because, Gene Wilder. because technically it is Gene Wilder, but it's not Gene Wilder. Gene, it, Gene Wilder doesn't need to sign off on that going, Hey, that, that looks like me. So they can do in that and they don't have to pay Gene Wilder. That looks like a Woody from Toy Story. The eyes. Yeah, a little bit. He's got an Oompa Loompa too. You know, that way I can get my Willy Wonka figure and it doesn't cost them the extra money that it costs to, to get a license a likeness because that's that is a big deal. Like coming soon or Jaws figures uh, at last. And it's funny they got the dead ones. They got uh, Roy Scheider and 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 they got Quint, of course, uh, Robert Shaw. Uh, they, they did not get. Uh, he didn't do it. Uh, the the living one, Richard Dreyfus. Richard Dreyfus. Yes, thank you. Sorry, my brain sometimes. Yes, but Richard Dreyfus wouldn't do it. So so the, you get the the two figures and the shark. And now, of course, a lot of us are like, are like, well, yeah, but where's Richard Dreyfus? I need, I need all three. So, so, so that's actually a huge hurdle 
in making action figures today is that in the, in now, if you, if you're in a movie now, a star Wars film or whatever, it's in your contract, you know, like, okay, you, you we're making action figures. You're Got giving it. up your likeness. If you made a movie in the eighties, if you made, I mean, that was a big deal with ghostbusters. That's why there was no go. There was no bill Murray ghostbusters figures for years and years and years. Cause he wouldn't sign it. He's like, no, fuck you. I don't want to, I don't want toys made of me. Uh, finally he broke down. Now there's tons of bill Murray action figures, but it costs the toy companies quite a bit. <laughs> and, and depending on, on what the actor feels they're worth, you know, like Jack Nicholson Joker figures. There's hardly any Jack Nicholson Joker figures because Jack Nicholson's like, yeah, no, pay me. Uh, oh, well, if your figure line's not going to be complete, I don't care. You know, pay me. You know, uh, and, and so that that may change. You know, at one day when it's his estate and his children have to deal with it, you'll give me a check for a figure. Sure, great. But but in the meantime, there's a lot of actors that hold out that way. Clint Eastwood. There's hardly any Clint Eastwood figures uh, because he won't he won't sign it. Uh, and so, so it is kind of funny that, 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 that makes a difference, you know, what, what is available. Yeah, definitely. So for you, this is a really interesting part of the collecting, the completion of a collection. Like how important is that completion aspect? It's so weird and it's so psychological and so like makes sense to you and to nobody else. And that's fine because you're the one buying it, you know, is that certain things like, okay, if they made a set of the Adams family, well, of course, I need the entire Adams family. I mean, you know, I can't not have Lurch or not have Grandma or whatever. Uh, you know, I got to have the entire set. Like the Ninja Turtles. I gotta, they, like, there's no way I would just get one Ninja Turtle. You know, it's like I have to have all four Ninja Turtles. But if they made a character, you know, Rocksteady and Bebop, for example, that's... I'd like to have them. They're hard to get. That's why I use them as an example. You have to, it's, they're target exclusives and they're really hard uh-huh. to get. But if I don't get those, it's okay because I have my four Ninja Turtles and, you know, it's like that's kind of extra and they're part of the line, but it's not part of the the core group, you know? And again, it comes down to display. The Ninja Turtles look great in their pose and I need I need Shredder. I need his two villains, but that, that kind of, that does it. The, the, the thing's complete in, in my mind. So, so yeah, it's weird. Mike, I have a Rocksteady and Bebop from the 90s that you can borrow for me anytime. Oh, that's great. Okay, very good. All right, that's good. They, they made new ones. That's what's killing me. They, they've made these really awesome ones that are Target exclusives, and they're expensive, I feel. They're 50 bucks for the set, uh, you know, and you can't get them, you know, because they only make a limited amount, and collectors just go and grab them. And it's so sometimes you have to go like, yeah, okay, I can live without that, you know, and then it's fine. So I remember on the eighth night of Hanukkah one year, I got a super shredder, and I was just over the moon. I have a super shredder in the next room. It's probably the one you're talking about. Oh, yeah. So which, okay, not which is your favorite film franchise, but which franchise has the best overall line of toys, action figures, collectibles that you Who have did in your it house? right? Who did it right? Thank you, David. <laughs> you got to give it to Star Wars because, you know, I mean, just, you know, 40 years of nonstop production they've made everything you can imagine i really you know would be hard pressed to think of like what's a star wars thing that has not been made so i gotta give it to that i love aliens you know it's one of my favorite movies i feel like neca in particular it's a modern line has done an amazing job with with all of those so i think there's a lot of great aliens toys terminator hasn't done too badly yeah i'd go i'd go uh those james cameron movies as uh, aliens and terminator i think have some pretty great toy lines so how many ripley's do you have Ooh, I can tell you exactly. Six seven-inch ones and two 12-inch ones. 
And then, and then there's the ones from the 90s. I'm not counting those. <laughs> there's the ones, the, the five-inch ones from the 90s. But they, they didn't really look like Sigourney Weaver. Now, now she was she was a holdout for a long time. She wouldn't sign the likeness thing. And uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is another one that oh, has finally really? finally come over to the dark side. <gasps> uh, and uh, yeah, and, and, and it's because of nerds like us. It's because, you know, I have a friend, Ryan Turek, who you probably know from, from Blumhouse. Uh-huh. Of course. I love Ryan. He was one of the producers on Halloween, the, the latest one. And it's because of him, literally, it's because of him that he went up to Jamie and like, hey, you know, NECA really would love to do a figure from (laughs) this movie. Would you would you do it? And it's because he he gave her the personal plea and, you know, which mean a lot to it. I I now have a Jamie Lee Curtis figure, not from the original. I'm still waiting for that, Uh, because, again, that, that, that gets even more complicated because there's the the license that's available from the movies that doesn't have too many strings and attachments attached to it. So the new Blumhouse one, that's pretty clear. It's universal. It's Blumhouse and Jamie Lee Curtis. That's all the rights you need. But the original has a bunch of producers attached and you got to get her. And, and so no one has been able to make that deal. Uh, and so, yes, I, I really want a Jamie Lee Curtis from the original movie. I'm going to throw out a hypothesis that you're the, that the short you're working on now, the director's James Cameron. I'm just going to throw it out there. I say nothing, but you're right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. Yeah. Was you, that because of all my aliens Terminator or seen right next to well, me? Well, I mean, he's one of the top, you know, directors whose whose work has in this genre has spanned decades. You know what I mean? Right. And I, I just yeah, would yeah. really like to see a Leonardo DiCaprio scene as well from Titanic. So. <laughs> they, there's hardly any Leonardo DiCaprio figures. He's another one that doesn't seem to to sign away his likeness very very much. I'm trying ah, to think. There, there, there I was. Need to teach you how to keep a secret. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Yeah, totally. Really broke you down real yeah, quick. Yeah, I know. And, you know. Yeah, it's totally. No, I, I'm very. I, I think I'm impressed that she that she figured it out. That's like, wow. Okay. <laughs> you you gave her the honor of the of getting the answer right. Uh, a huge part of it is that, yeah, it has to be directors that have toys made of them. And and yes, James Cameron does happen mm. to have a toy made of him. My my options are very limited here. I can only take the series so far yeah. with what I have right now and not not creating new stuff. So, um, you know, I think you've got several hundred more <laughs> more films in you by just what I see in this room. So you're good. <laughs> but but directors, I, I only have, uh, you know, I think I only have like and, and a lot of them are Funko Pops, which are no fun to animate. So I can't do right. that. But right. I think I only have like like five choices here. They're, they all they don't make so many. I wish they would because there's no Steven Spielberg, Scorsese. Uh, there's no Kubrick. And believe me, I would love them if they made. Yeah, if they made those, that would be that would give oh, me a lot yeah. to work with. Yeah. So you at Blumhouse should put together like uh, your own like director's toy line. Oh, I would love that. I've, I've been wanting that my entire life. Yeah. Custom Mike Mendez. <laughs> well, I have my customs. I have been making my customs, and thankfully, they ca- that came in really handy for the shorts. But uh, no, I, I, there's a bunch of people that I would love. John John Carpenter. I mean, I would love that line. It, it was years before I could get a Hitchcock figure of any sort, and that seemed logical to me. Like, why would there not be an Alfred Hitchcock? He's an icon, you know. So, my last question for you, Mike. Uh huh. You had a brother who helped you out. Was your family like all super supportive of this addictive? action figure hobby or really, no. was one brother really helpful were there other siblings did or was this just your thing that you kind of always just sort of kept up your own self it's my thing my brother uh often regrets 
that he got that that early bird special because like I started this thing in you. I, I totally started in you. And I'm like, oh, yeah, because I would have never have discovered a toy otherwise. <laughs> uh, you know, no one at school had them or anything. Uh, so, no, it's definitely my thing. My, my brother got much more into video games. Uh, that be kind of came his thing. And I was like, yeah, but video games are are disposable. You know, you play them, it's done. You know, you, you, you trade it out for something else. It's like I like having something you know it's like even though yeah it's it's definitely a an expense it's like but i have that stuff forever in a in a god forbid worst case scenario i could sell this eventually but i hope i never have to i hope i hope so too oh i don't want you ever selling it mike you are synonymous with mini action figures and toys like when i think of mike mendez i i think of this incredible collection so i agree you can't let it go but there's been dark times that, you know, I'm between movies and, you know, things look grim and, and I have to really kind of make a decision of like, I should sell some stuff. And I've had to. I swear to God, it feels like, oh, which, which finger do you want to sell? Uh, you know, it's like, that's what it feels like. It feels like, oh, you don't need the pinky that much. You know, you could you could survive with four fingers. You could probably even survive with three fingers, you know, but it feels like that. And so I don't I don't like the feeling. And I'm like, so yeah, what, what is that emotional attachment and connection? What could you even put that into words? Probably not. No, it's just I feel I need it in my life. I feel that that they're a part of my life. And they're they're, you know, I don't want to go so far to say they're my friends, because no, they're pieces of plastic that sit there. They're cool. And I love them. And, and it's one of those things that I, if I got rid of them, I'd, I would know I got rid of them. And like, I remember I'm thinking about it right now. And I, there's literally a pain in my stomach. There's a life size ET that I sold. And, um, you know, just in a real slim time when I needed rent. I just sold it for what I paid for it. Uh, and I miss it. You know, it pains me. I'm like, I hate that I had to do that. Thankfully, it's been a while. I hope it doesn't come up again. We'll see in this in this weird time. I'm hoping I get to retain everything. And and look, I mean, that's somebody else's problem for I, when I'm passed away for them to, to sell it and deal with it. Or maybe that's my retirement. I don't know. Maybe I decide when I'm 70, like, ah, okay, I'm good. Yeah, it sounds like you really anthropomorphize them. And like, it's almost like, you know, Wilson in Castaway, you know, how Tom Hanks had the relationship with with the volleyball. It was real to him. And it almost sounds like that's how it is. And that's that's a really cool and creative way of interacting with your collection. I think the shorts, even though obviously they're heightened and it's to a different level, but I think the shorts probably actually portray a little bit of how my relationship to my toys, to be honest. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like they're, they're, they're a part of me and they're, you know, they're, they're a part of my world, you know? So. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. To of course. Absolutely. And about your collection, incredible collection. I hope we can um, post some pictures of the uh, some of the collection when we air the episode, yeah, I hope we can great. come over and play with them sometime. Forget yeah, absolutely, pictures. totally. What, what once once we can all see each other again out in the real world, that that would be great. So that would be super. Thanks, Mike. Yes, well, Mike Mike Mendez, thank you so much. Um, and you know, I want to go out and get some toys. All right. <laughs> Claire, I love that there is an action figure of you. I know. I mean, honestly, David, and I'm not just, you know, I'm not just going to brag, but I am for a minute. There's not just one. There's four. And yes, there's several of me in different poses and variations. I always say this is, I mean, you can agree or disagree with me. 
And you'll probably get an action figure for your role in Dexter because they they do like to do those people. I, I know that Michael C. Hall has one. Well, he definitely does. I mean, I, at the least, I'm going to take some pipe cleaner and make something up myself. Yeah, and put a exactly. But I always say, like, there's three notches on your belt as an actor. Action mm-hmm. figure, mm-hmm. trilogy, mm-hmm. musical episode in television. Mm-hmm. So I have one down and I'm working on the other two. <laughs> Solid, though. Which is your favorite of the four? Is there a look that you give on one that you're extra excited about? My favorite is, okay, well, funny enough, the action figures. (laughs) The action figures for Buffy, they kind of, and if you look at them, you can kind of see this. They kind of use the same, like, female face for all of them. So it's like, it doesn't necessarily look like me. But then they did this tuned up tiki version of me that's like this big. And they only did 500. They sold out before they were released at all. So it's she's really... holding up, by the way, something that looks like 18 inches. Yeah, it's say. like 12 okay. inches or something. Okay. I mean, you know, size does matter, David. So well, when you're an acting <laughs> figure, only uh, that <laughs> or an or in action. Um, but <laughs> the point is the Tiki version of Glory, the great Glorificus, is definitely my favorite. It's by far the like best looking one. Best hair. Best everything. Oh, yeah. Well. We're going to have to share it, um, you know, on social media. We'll yes. share that later. Yes. Yes. I grew up collecting McDonald's uh, action figures, collectibles, toys. So I might to the point where I, my mom would drive to McDonald's and pay at the time, I believe it was 55 cents per toy. OK. She would collect. She would collect the toys. So if there was a collection, if there was like the little X-Men's that came out or if it was Transformers and it was like the burger transformer into a car and the shake turned transformer into a, an airplane. And I had one. I, I really needed others. And this is only child stuff where, God bless my mom, she would and had the time to be like, sure, I'll just on my way from the supermarket. I'll stop at the McDonald's. I'll pay the 55 cents. I'll literally just get the toy. So I had this whole collection of McDonald's toys. And my best friend to this day, who I'm the godparent of his children, would make fun of me for having all these McDonald's toys. Uh-huh. And in my weakness, in my insecurity as a, as a young boy, I had told my mom, get rid of all of them. And then, of course, later on, I'm like, no, those could have been worth a lot. And so for my 30th birthday, he he got me like a ton of McDonald's toys. <gasps> like he just shipped me like a huge thing. He like found a zillion from eBay. And that was very... Very sweet. And that, of course, um, I wonder what price per unit a little. was 30, you know, 25 years later. It could have just been like 50 cents. Like, I, I, I don't know. I feel like he like paid $10 and just got a dump of toys. And there were some of those toys, though, that really were that were things I remembered. Like, I really actually was like, oh, look at that. Oh, my gosh, that's cool. I'm like, oh, this little thing. The Hamburglar and the oh, yeah. McFry guy. I mean, that's a whole other uh, rabbit hole that we're not going to go down right now is early McDonald's marketing and toys. Uh, we'll save that one for later. <laughs> Maybe we'll have a McDonald's fanatic on the show. Who knows? Anyway, thank you guys so much for tuning in. This was a great episode. I love Mike. I think he's so, so interesting. If you ever have the chance, go hang out with him and check out his collection in person. And David, I'm definitely going to have to take you over there at some point. Yes. It's so fun. His room. Uh, guys, till next Thursday. We'll see you later. 
You scream, I scream. Everyone screams for Nick Apostolidis. Yes, he is Leon Kennedy in Resident Evil. And more importantly, he will be with us next week for the next Fanatics podcast episode talking all about ice cream. See? See what I did there? Oh, and you can learn all about Nicky's and Cream. What is that? It's a flavor. Did he make it up? I don't know. Probably. Tune in. Thank you for listening to Fanatics, a Roddenberry podcast. For more episodes and info, head over to wearefanatics.com or tweet your Fanatics thoughts and stories at wearefanatics. Yes, that's we are F-A-N-A-D-D-I-C-T-S. Our show is hosted by Claire Kramer and me, David Magadoff. Produced by me, Claire Kramer, and Colin Baker. Executive producers Trevor Roth and Rod Roddenberry. Our sound engineer and editor is Elizabeth Joy Windham. And you can thank Stephen Mudd for our theme song. Catch us next Thursday for another Fanatics episode. Boy, that's a lot. I'd rather have a 12-inch Ripley than a 5-inch Ripley, if you know what I mean. 12 inches is not too long. (laughs) 